Have you ever had the thought, when I'm in charge, that'll be different? <laughs> I thought so, and you're not alone. This is often the topic on the podcast. Whether the guests are sharing their learning moments, their called to lead situations, or I'm sharing something I just can't keep to myself, we're in it for the leadership, for those calling forth moments and teachings that are so good we just have to talk about them. I'm Karen Gillen, life coach for business leaders and your host. Let's get to the show. On the podcast today, we've got Kelly Tadlock. And I think the really fun kind of interesting thing about this conversation is how much it really is about general life coaching, but also about people pleasing and um, just the care of ourselves with ourselves, the connection we have with ourselves. So don't run away if that sounds like something you don't want to talk about. I'm going to challenge you to stay and then message me if you want to. One thing that came up for you as helpful or an aha or as just something that you kind of leaned into and are considering for yourself. I think Kelly has just like had such incredible self-relationship that talking about that with her was really fun. So enjoy. All right, we have Kelly Tadlock on the podcast today. And I want to start out by having you introduce yourself in your words to us. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Hi, humans. My name is Kelly Tadlock, and I am a coach to humans who have reached a point in their life, usually it's around midlife, but I'll say have reached a point in their life where they are done with the people pleasing, they are done with prioritizing other people's opinions, and they are ready to finally go after that dream that won't die. And I, I call it the dream that won't die because usually what I found when we get into the work is that it's something that's been tugging for a while. And sometimes that tug feels like a little thread. And sometimes that tug feels like a very large shouting voice in our head. But um, <laughs> that was my journey. It didn't happen in midlife. It happened in my early 30s when I left Silicon Valley and the corporate world um, at Apple it was my last place of official employment before entrepreneurship. Um, mm -hmm. And I got to that point where like we were talking about Karen, I just, I'm, there wasn't a dollar amount you could pay me that was going to get me to stay. And I didn't really know where I was going to go. I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but it was this mm -hmm. giant leap of faith with no financial security, no community because we were in a brand new town and a whole lot of disappointing other people who had big dreams for me and my life and also <laughs> scaring the shit out of the people who really, really love me. I think part of them were mm -hmm. like, is this part of a nervous breakdown that she's having? Is this part of a, <laughs> a, re a midlife reinvention thing she's doing? Um, Are we going to get her back? I think, the the real I, version right. of her. And I think the other piece of it was like, is she going to ask us for money? Is she going to ask us to sleep on our, on our couch? Oh, so it, yeah. it was like, uh, you know, is she okay? <laughs> oh shit. What's she going to need from us? While also right. like those same people were also very, um, 
I mean, just straight up disappointed and like worried about the decisions that I was making for myself. But I knew so interesting though, the- amid the terror, um, with like a bone deep certainty that even though I didn't have the how, I knew this was the what. I knew this was it. So yeah. that's a really long intro, but yeah. that's who I am. But that's it what I'm about. That's what me, I do. It made me think about, yeah, something where like I'm used to hearing the side of people pleasing where it's we're gonna disappoint people. Yeah. But then there's people's fear that you're going to have needs yes, right. <laughs> on the underside of that, that I hadn't really thought of before. So just say more about yeah, that. Yeah, that we're going to have, right, that we're going to be human. And we talk so much about community, but what about when we need community, right? We talk about lifting up people up, but what about when they really need lifting up? What does that look like? And yeah. um, how are you going to show and up? And how are you going to show up? And and then, and then there's a side of it of, of us denying our own needs because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Like it takes something right. to go for what you want and you aren't always mm-hmm. 100% prepared to do all of that. You will need, you will need support. And, um, part of that is the courage. It's like the courage to disappoint people, the courage to let them be wrong about you. And the courage to ask for help in the face of all of that messiness. And, you know, as, as women who are primarily known for holding it all together, that is a scary place to go. It feels dangerous. It feels unsafe. Like there's a real nervous system primal reaction that happens in us. And so that's why that's why coaching is needed is because mm-hmm. very rarely can we do the the mental and the emotional work of it by ourselves and therapy isn't the tool to help get us there it really is coaching and bringing the humanity and the nervous system into all of it because nothing happens without tending to our nervous system Mm-hmm. Can you <clears throat> define people pleasing for us? Because I think we better start there. Because there's oh my a big gosh. thread of that here. You know, I really think that people pleasing comes down to like we are bending ourselves into a pretzel in order to show up in the way we think that other person wants us to so that that other person can avoid being uncomfortable with who and how we really are. And we don't have to deal with their discomfort. And the thing about Mm -hmm. that is it's uncomfortable bending yourself into a pretzel straight up. There's discomfort there. Especially when somebody wants tacos instead. And it's uncomfortable dealing with other people's emotions. So we don't get out of the discomfort. Like they're really, we think we get out of it. Really, we don't. And that's the (laughs) good news, bad news about when you want to stop people pleasing is you've been uncomfortable all this time. It's just a new discomfort. And are you ready for it? 
right? Like, are you, are you mm-hmm. willing to, there's always the cost, you know, and are you willing to yeah. give up, give that up? Because we're also rewarded. I think the other side of people pleasing Karin, that's important to talk about is there's a, there's a reward system for people pleasing, right? I, um, we're, it's like when we have proof in our life that when I do this thing, when I say this thing, even if it's not what I really want to do, this person mm. will most likely act in a way that I want them to. Right. Right. So I can get like the cheap pats yes. on the back. I'm not fulfilled, but somebody seems like they're pleased. Right. Or I get to avoid an argument yeah. or they think I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And all of it is just, it's like my daughter plays with slime a lot. She's 10. And it's just like this coat of slime that kind of hangs mm-hmm. on us when we do that. Right. Cause we're, mm-hmm. it's like self-betrayal. People pleasing is self-betrayal. I think if I was to sum it up, but I also think it's tricky. I think people pleasing is so, so tricky and it's never clear cut. I agree. I agree on the trickiness. I think I was doing loads of it. Still am. Oh, me too. I think a lot of us do. And a bunch of it, I hadn't even honestly identified yet. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's sort of a wild um, picking apart of like, what is care? What is self care versus caring for others? How do I care in the way I want to care? Yeah. How do I care in a way that works for me versus that throws me under the bus? Right. It's, and it starts. I mean, just that. Yeah, go ahead. Just that alone, I think, is worth excavating with a second pair of eyes. Yeah. And it starts so young because when we are little, people pleasing is a survival mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Like I see yeah. it in my daughter, right? Our children want to make us happy. It really is part of like the survival instinct of, right? I'm in trouble. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm a light. I think the reason why this has turned into like my specialty is because I was such a hardcore people pleaser. I did not fit into my Mm -hmm. family. And then for the majority of my adulthood, I was morbidly obese. I weighed 365 pounds and it was like, I, I felt like I had to people please. I had to bend myself into a pretzel in order to fit in and have friends even, right? Because I was so, (laughs) I can laugh about it now. It's not funny, but I was so disgusting and loathsome, right? It was like how, how Mm -hmm. I internally held Mm -hmm. myself was, I'm not worthy of love and belonging as I am because I'm gross, right? Look at, just look at me. And so I was constantly twisting myself into principal pretzels and all kinds of different origami figures, right. To get love and affection and belonging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I want to hear because you use the word tug that, you know, we're humans and there are certain points in life where something is tugging at us Mm -hmm. and it's subtle or it's loud, but I'm just wondering so that people can see it, what are some different kinds of tugs that you've had your clients come in with? Yeah. Like I just had this thing nagging at yeah, me. Yeah, it's so good, right? So 
it can be as simple as just like this idea that has never really gone away. Right. Um, mm, where the book in the basement yeah, or the, or the, or the, um, I've always wanted to paint. I've always wanted to, yeah. um, travel to Ireland. Right. I've always wanted to try this one thing. It can start as like simple and innocently as something like that, of just something we've always mm-hmm. wanted to try. Yeah. And the shout of it is when it's literally uncomfortable in your body to keep doing what you've been doing, where you know something like physical needs to shift, right? When you walk into the door of that office and every cell in your being wants to run in the other direction and do something else. And what Mm -hmm. is that something else, right? Um, So it shows up differently for people depending where they're at and depending what the thing is, how long it's been living inside of them. But I do believe that it lives inside us and, um, and it's there for us. It's there for our evolution. It's there for our growth and expansion. And I also believe that that's part of why it's so uncomfortable to deny it. It's not just like this whimsical mm-hmm. thing, right? The reason it lives in us is mm-hmm. because it's meant to grow us. And so when we go through life continually denying it, that sense of misalignment that sense of something is off. I'm not on the path. I'm not on purpose is no joke. It's loud and it's strong. And it's trying to bring us back to ourselves actually is what I I truly believe. I like that you give the example of, it's just that I always wanted to paint like, because everyone can get some paint or paint with ketchup. Like everybody has something they can paint with. Yes. It's not always the big life-changing, leave your job, move countries thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the little things. Yeah. And you never know what it's going to lead to, right? Like Mm -hmm. the other day I sat down and um, was coloring with my daughter for a nervous system reset. Um, Coloring is so soothing. It's like the smell of the crayons and all of that. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had this idea for a like a children's coloring book of wouldn't that be fun? And it's still living as this idea in the back of my brain, but it's not going away. And so I, you know, listen to those and it can be something as simple and it doesn't have to mean that we blow our lives up in order to pursue it. It's just a piece of us that wants to be heard and looked at and explored a bit. I think the thing I do with any little idea like that is I turn everything in like, well, that can't be a whole business. Like if I want to paint, I'd be like, well, it'd take a really long time to get good at it and then sell it. Like, what if you just paint to paint? You don't paint to sell. So for anybody listening who's like, but I want to do that thing, but I can't turn it into my expertise and then make money from it or turn it into the thing that's what I'm good at, which is business or whatever it is for you. Like consider that it's the like just for the pleasure of it, just for the lean in. Right. Perhaps this thing is tugging at me simply because it's another way that joy is meant to come into my life. Just a guess, mm-hmm. you know, why you might want to paint. Yeah. <laughs> Could be joy. Right. It doesn't have to be a, right, a new entrepreneurial adventure. 
Right. That's my note for myself. You don't have to turn everything into a business idea. Yeah. It could just be joy. Um, yeah. So it strikes me what you said earlier paired with what I've been seeing going around on social media is all these memes and things about, we keep calling moms superheroes, but then not offering help. Just trying to be like, yay, good for you. Go mom. You do everything. You're so powerful. Bye. Mm -hmm. But so like, how do we, do you think, and maybe in the work with your clients, how do we become the person living the life we are like willing to ask for help to create? That was a really long question. But like, if I'm going to step out and do this thing, I'm going to follow the tugs and the nudges. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to go towards what feels like alignment for me. That means I have to be bought in enough that I'm willing to ask for help, that I'm willing to like get people on board or like get the support that I need to do the thing that I want to do. And I'm just wondering, like, how do people do that? It's not that my answer is not sexy, Karin. It's, it, I can't and it's wait. usually like the worst <laughs> people don't want to, don't actually like this part of the coaching. It is self-kindness because, oh, for Christ's right? sake. Like for fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, can we swear? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's my podcast. We could do okay, whatever we awesome. want. And that, and that is it, right? How nice do you have to be to yourself? to be willing to ask for help because the, what is so habitual is judging ourselves for getting ourselves to a place where we have to ask for help. So instead of, cause that's the ultimate, like what? Right. So instead of acknowledging ourselves and honoring ourselves for being brave to take the first step, and then acknowledging ourselves and honoring ourselves for having to ask for help after we've taken that first step, instead of judge ourselves for, look what you've done right now, you're mm -hmm. going to inconvenience people by asking for help. It really, like the very, very, very first step is, this is so hard. I do not want to do this. And then like, it's probably with some deep breathing after that. And it's okay. <laughs> right. Like this, mm -hmm. it, it is, it is part of growing into that person. It requires like self-kindness is actually non-negotiable. And it is like <laughs> usually the worst news I deliver to clients. It's like the last thing any of us want to hear is, oh, I mean, I have to be nice to myself. Um, mm -hmm. but that's my honest, like hard-earned hard learned, truthful, truthiness answer. Yeah. Why do you think we don't want to take the time to be nice to ourselves or the thoughtfulness or make the intention in that direction? I think for so many of us, it feels weak. It feels weak. It feels mm -hmm. vulnerable. It doesn't feel as good as being in action and being productive and writing uh, a new checklist and um, revisiting our goals and visioning and getting into the positive place, right? It doesn't feel as productive, productive and active, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there is what I, what I see a lot is 
there's this fear of, well, if I'm nice to myself, I just won't do anything. If I'm nice to myself, if, you know, sometimes self-kindness, because sometimes, sometimes self-kindness looks like, you know, taking a break, taking a rest. I won't do anything. A lot of the high achieving women that I work with are their internal conversations are about laziness, right? Like not being productive mm-hmm. um, and not getting things done. Yeah. I mean, it's productive, yeah. right? It's like the same thing. Have you found a way? I'm expecting the answer to be no, but have you found a way to put being nice to yourself onto a checklist in a way that works? I have found that sometimes, actually most of the time, the simple act of being willing to check in with myself is actually self-kindness. Like the mm-hmm. whether it's an alarm on my phone that's like, and I do, I set these. Um, I call them consciousness check-ins. Like, where's my brain? Where am I at right Mm -hmm. now? How am I talking to myself? Do I need to pee? Do I need a drink of water? Is my blood sugar low? Am I acting crazy? Do I need a banana? Um, That simply check, being willing to pay even the littlest bit of attention to myself in the middle of the day for five minutes, that is self-kindness. And when women mm-hmm. hear that, when, when, when my clients hear that, usually they're willing to start there. And that's like the gateway in. That's how I get them <laughs> bought in to self-kindness mm-hmm. where it's like, let's make this so easy. Let's make this so easy and so simple. And it doesn't mean you have to take a 30 minute nap in the middle of the day. If you're not ready for that, it is yeah. the check-in that can go on the calendar that has a reminder of, Hey, how you doing? What do you need? What's going on? And it's as much forethought as it's like taking your kid to church. Like I always think about how can you take as good of care as a mom would taking a kid into church? Yeah. It's like, I got to bring some snacks. They're going to need to go pee first. We're going to need to make sure there's some books and some colors and some whatever they like. Like if we had that much, just that much. Yeah. It does seem like it would make a difference. It does. It's so funny. When my daughter was about 18 months old, I had to take her on a flight to Hawaii for my sister's wedding. I went to the doll. You had to go I to Hawaii. I had to go to Hawaii. <laughs> That's how it felt traveling alone with an 18 yeah. month old. Um, I hear you. On ya. like a six hour flight. And I went to the dollar store and I bought the most ridiculous random things. I bought a calculator and like some latex gloves and all these random things. And on that flight, I just would hand her the bag and she got to like, she played with a cleaning glove for like 45 minutes, just taking her hand in and out of it, in and out of it. And everyone laughed at me, but it was the foresight of, I'm going to be with an irritated antsy toddler on a confined airplane for five to six Mm -hmm. hours. How could I like be kind to both of us? What's the best thing I could, how can I take care of us in this situation? So kid in church, kid on a plane. Exactly. (laughs) Same, 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 same. So I like to talk about the long game and care and integrity. And I'm just curious, like, 
kind of want to do the reverse today and ask, how does people pleasing not play in to an individual's long game of alignment or fulfillment or anything come to mind? I think that people pleasing, but not people pleasing is a requirement for alignment and the long game. Like there's, there's two different long games you can play. There's the long game where Mm -hmm. you're just consistently turning yourself into a pretzel, right? And, and we Mm -hmm. do that all of the time. I mean, you know, we, Mm -hmm. my, my grandmother, right. Our, our, our grandparents are sometimes perfect examples of, um, people who have compromised, um, in ways that didn't serve them and are angry, bitter, and resentful at the end of their lives. And Mm. the long, like the aligned long game, prioritizing your own opinion of yourself over other people's opinion of you. And again, I always say allowing people to be wrong about you and not using your Mm -hmm. energy to like your life force energy to justify and explain and defend and correct their misperceptions, that is a requirement for alignment. It is a requirement for stopping people pleasing is you just have to be willing to give up that control, right? Because again, people pleasing Mm -hmm. is a lot of things, Karin, right? We talked about this. People pleasing is lying. People pleasing is control. People pleasing is manipulation. Like it's your willingness to give all of that up and to keep coming back to yourself, that creates an aligned life, right? That creates an aligned mm-hmm. business. That is the ultimate in self-integrity. And when that's your foundation, it's not always comfortable, but the end goal, right? The, the, um, the fruits of that are pretty amazing and delicious and worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's your greatest hope for your clients? You know, my greatest hope for my clients is that they develop a relationship with themselves. I feel like it's so often for us to get to a point in life where what we can say is, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't know what happened to me, right? When we've, when mm. we've gone through something, I mean, even COVID, right? We could come out on the other end. And it's like, I don't even know who I am today. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, all kinds of life experiences do that to us where we feel changed. And my greatest like hope and desire for my clients, for all humans, right? Whether you're my client or not, human, I hope this for you, mm-hmm. is that we cultivate the ability to continually come home to ourselves and know ourselves on deeper and deeper levels. I feel like even though I am me, there are parts of me that are a mystery to me. And I love doing the work of revealing myself to myself. And I love seeing that process unfold 
in my clients. It's when we talk, there's a lit upness about them that is undeniable. Mm -hmm. It's this place where my clients have this real felt sense of being both radiant and magnetic. And yeah, that seems really romantic. Like there's some romance in it. Yeah. I mean, I think because it's so funny you use the word romance. There's like a, I think the, the word that keeps coming to mind for me is like tenderness. Um, mm-hmm. but also excitement of like, this feels so good. I didn't know this was possible. This feels so good. I want more of this. And Mm -hmm. I love when my clients find and like sink into that place. That for me is like, yep, that's what it's about. This is why we do this. This is, this is the why of all of it. I love that. So I want to ask you a few questions about you just so we can get to know you a little bit better. But before I do, are there any last stakes you'd like to put in the ground about coaching, people pleasing, being the person who answers the tug with a yes? I mean, I think one of the things I really, that's, that is important to me to convey is that if you're a chronic people pleaser, there's nothing wrong with you. Like we're literally conditioned from Truth. such a young age to people please right? I mean, I even see Mm -hmm. it with myself. I want my daughter to be this independent thinker who, um, you know, is willing to question. I mean, one of the things I tell my clients is question everything, question everything. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter questions me and it's like, why are you questioning me? Right. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Right. Because I'm your mother. Um, so Mm -hmm. like if you are a people pleaser, there's no shame right? Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with you. It's so inherent in all of us. We, we, we've all, we've all got it. Um, and coaching is one of the best, fastest ways to help begin getting yourself out of it. If you're at that place where you're done and ready to stop being a people pleaser, it really mm-hmm. is. I have found the support that you need. It's different than therapy. Um, I'm all for coaching and therapy. Actually, I think both Mm -hmm. are wonderful. I participate in both and for people pleasing specifically, it's that consistent support of someone else going in there with you and helping you navigate your own brain and conditioning and socialization. Um, because it really is, it really is everywhere. So that's yeah. kind of my stake. It's is an like, overdeveloped skill. It is yeah. an overdeveloped skill. And it started out as a survival skill. So of course we need help unwinding this. And of course it's hard. And of course it's challenging. And <laughs> of course you don't want to do it. It's like, I want to stop people pleasing, but I really don't want to stop people pleasing. And that's the reward side of it, right? Is it's like, oh man, I got to give yeah. this up to have this. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I love it. And what's one thing that you won't travel without? Random segue. I will not travel. 
just one thing, Karen. I've got like a list. Um, <laughs> I will not travel without my essential oils. Um, they, so just in my own like trauma healing and they are my nervous system reset in an instant, um, because of the power, the olfactory sense on the human brain. Um, it's Mm -hmm. so, so fast. So no matter where I am, uh, my essential oils go with me, but so do fuzzy socks, Karin, and so do books. (laughs) And (laughs) like, those are my other necessities I have to throw in there. And we are travelers. And the thing I love, yeah. And there's so much care built into what you won't travel without. So of course there's a number of things. Of course yeah. it's fuzzy socks, yeah. right? Because this is, if if you're going to specialize in caring for oneself, mm-hmm. that means for you too, yeah. right? And music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lot, all these senses, the touch, the smell, the sound. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So tell me about a favorite restaurant experience that you've had. Mm. I, a favorite restaurant experience I've had. I am such a foodie, obviously. Um, I was in Sedona years ago and there's this amazing Italian restaurant there. It's called Dal and DeLuca. It's still there. And I was on a trip by myself staying up in Oak Canyon. Um, so just outside of Sedona, like 15 minutes up in the canyon with the woods and it's just, it's glorious up there. And they brought me this plate of homemade fettuccine with like shrimp and scallops and jumbo prawns. It was this seafood deliciousness. Um, but there's, there was like the candle on the table and the Italian music playing in the background. And I had this glass of red wine that they brought me that they said would go fabulously with the meal. And of course it did. And I just had this experience of being so content and like happy and grateful at the same time. And it's so funny that like the thing that stands out the most is how that, how fresh that pasta was. I have never tasted anything so delicious in my life. And it's like combined with that experience of being grateful and content and satisfied to just sit Mm -hmm. alone and have a meal. It's one of my favorite things actually. Yeah. Dal and DeLuca, Sedona, friends. It's still there. I highly recommend you go. There's nothing like it. It's good stuff. All right. That sounds amazing. And I love the idea of you are in relationship with yourself in such a way that you can take yourself out for an amazing meal and have it be your favorite restaurant experience. Yeah. 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 This is what we look for, folks, is when people are clear examples of what they talk about. Mm. That's that's integrity. Yeah. How do you as an online entrepreneur and somebody who has moved, I think recently uh, link yes. into your, <laughs> link into your local community. If you figured that out yet. That one is really hard for me because I am such an introvert. Um, and I am also the person that really has, has to like, get herself motivated to ask for help. Um, and we've, we've come out of a season of me needing to really activate those skills within myself. 
And so, um, the first place I go is honestly online. I look for online. I mean, everything is online now, especially because of COVID, right? So I go online and I look and see who's in my community and Mm -hmm. I just start gradually reaching out with hellos and common interests and things like that. And that's uncomfortable. I mean, I will not lie. It is still one of the most uncomfortable things that I, um, make myself do as an entrepreneur is being willing to reach Mm -hmm. out and connect and not just stay safe inside my one-on-one coaching practice. Yep. Yep. Bold moves, but connection focus. There seems to be a theme of connection throughout all these things. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're humans. We're, We're made and wired for it. Even if like me, it sometimes feels incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. okay too. That, that, that part of it is also normal and okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question is what's a myth that other people believe about you that you let them keep? A lot of people do not believe I'm introverted and I let them keep that. Um, and I, I think it's because of the way that I show up in conversations. I mean, I am, I'm that person that in a one-on-one conversation, I do come across as extroverted. I'm, I'm loud. I laugh. I'm bubbly. It's like, sometimes you have to interrupt me to get a word in edgewise, right? I love connecting. Mm -hmm. I love talking. I love conversing, but you invite me to a party and I'm going to say no every single time. And that is my, that's (laughs) my introversion. Unless it's a dinner party, with like board games and wine. And then I'm in, I'm all in for small dinner parties and board games or cards. Those are my favorite things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of people think I am extroverted and I, I don't argue with that, but I do decline their big social invitations most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We'll see if they know. Yeah, exactly. So if people want to find more about what you're up to and see your stuff, where do you hang out online? I hang out on Facebook mostly. I'm also on Instagram. Um, And then it's really easy to find me. It's kellytadlock.com. But that's so easy. Yeah, I mean, let's keep it simple, friends, right? Yeah. We'll list it in the show notes so we can keep it real simple. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us and using your introverted energy to have a one-on-one conversation with many people and yeah, really show kindness and connection and what can come of both. I think it's really, it's an important conversation. Yeah, Karen, thank you for the invitation and for, for holding space for these kinds of conversations. I think they're, um, important and hopefully will be more common in the future. So thank you also. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, for sharing your time and your ears with us. And before you go, I have something new we created just for you. It's a quiz. Have you ever wondered how you stack up when it comes to the three pillars of business your way? Well, now you'll know. Click the link in the show notes or go to karengillen.com forward slash quiz to find out just what type of business owner you are. I can't wait to see your results. 
take good care of you and your people and leave a review for the podcast. It really helps. Thank you. And talk to you next week.